Hey, put your hands together and let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, worship team. You can be seated as you are. I want to tell you the question I want to answer today is, what could be more valuable this year than your health? You know the old saying, if you don't have your health, you don't have nothing, anything. And so I want to feel that question today. Today's uh, actual challenge is, in the midst of our series, if you're visiting for the first time, uh, we're answering the question, this year we will do such and such. This year I will. And uh, if you're, this is your first time, my name's Scott. I'm the pastor at Adventure. I'm surrounded by a bunch of small group leaders that are meeting right now at the other end of our building uh, for training for leading our small groups throughout the week. Uh, Next weekend, we're going to talk about taking the next step in relationship with uh, other adventurers in our growing Natomas community. And so I hope you'll come back next weekend, especially for an opportunity to meet somebody new. But today, I want to talk about fitness. What could be more important than your fitness And uh, so I want to begin with uh, Dr. Oz. That seemed like a great place to start. He'll let us know kind of where we're at. He and Oprah. Here we go. So I'm going to do something that's going to blow. That's why we lack it so much. Yeah. But but if you don't mind, I am going to blow your mind. Okay, go ahead. Because I'm going to show you what has happened with the amount of sugar that we eat in this country a year. And it's 150 pounds. Each one of us eating this much sugar, Oprah, Every single year. Now, here's what's really going to shock you. When you and I were born, when our generation was young, this is how much sugar that that I left behind. All this is extra sugar. Actually, it's 40 pounds of extra sugar that we're eating every single year, as opposed to just a generation ago. So you think about that. You see how heavy that is? It is impossible for our body to keep up with that. There is no way. We can adapt this quickly. Our ancestors never had to deal with this much sugar. And it's not just the sugar we're adding to our tea and coffee. Right. It's hidden in our condiments. It's hidden in our salad dressing. I bet you half the calories young women get in America is from salad dressing, and a lot of it's sugar. So this is what we're dealing with right now. We'll oh, right so this is what we're dealing with right now. How many of you heard salad dressing? Oh, lots of sugar. How, how many of you think that it's a good thing to put creamers in your coffee. That's a, a blessing, right? Yeah. Uh, it's that morning coffee. There's nothing like it. Uh, what could be more valuable to us than our health? I thought today would be fun to have a scale uh, that we gave people a chance to come down and stand on, and we would flash the numbers on the screens for you. And so do we have a, anybody ready to just jump on? Yeah, we got one in the back. Yeah, he's in high school. You don't get to participate. But I... I, I didn't want to do that. Uh, what could be more valuable than our health? And here's the deal. You, we know diet and exercise, they make a big difference. Look at some of the stats uh, from the Mayo Clinic on how exercise uh, really transforms your life. It helps you control your weight, helps you combat health conditions and diseases, improves your mood. That's a great win. Boosts energy. It promotes better sleep. And so who doesn't want better sleep? Uh, Exercise helps all these areas. And so I personally uh, have set a goal this year uh, to run uh, by my 50th birthday. I've set a goal to run a fast mile uh, time. That's uh, what I like to do. I like to run. 
I'm not exactly where I want to be from a weight standpoint, so I'm working on that. Um, I think that one of the keys to exercise is basically weighing everything, (laughs) weighing how much you eat, weighing how much uh, you weigh, Um, measuring what kind of fitness you do, have some sort of template that you use throughout the week that you follow, some sort of system uh, where you're doing the same thing and you're trying to actually set goals and meet them, run faster, work out longer, lift better weight, get through CrossFit faster, whatever it is, that all those things will help you. They'll help you have the body, the health, the sleep, the energy boost that you want to have. What could be more important than your health and fitness? If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. That's what we're taught. I mean, that's what we think is (laughs) true. I totally disagree. I think we've become a country that, yeah, has health issues. But I think we're moving into the idolatrous direction with our health and fitness, where we worship this, and we worship what someone else has. It becomes our total, it occupies everything we think about. You know, I have a chance to meet with folks whose beautiful marriage and family life are falling apart. Lots of them, all the time, folks you don't know. At Adventure, folks that are from the church I used to serve at in Roseville that I'm still in contact with. These are smart people. <laughs> These people take care of themselves. I've got one buddy who's, who's uh, already separated from his wife of 30 years. Very successful in the world's eyes. If you saw him, he's a specimen. Really. He's 5'11". He probably weighs 155. He works. He's a specimen. Are marriages failing? Are the the, uh, moments caught on the news in the last few months where people are caught in indiscretion, celebrities, is it because they're on a high-carb diet? Is the problem their saturated fat intake? Is the problem their, their, sugar, their glucose level? Is that what's killing America, really? Is the real problem that you're not getting your cardio in? couple stands before a judge someday. Why would you choose to separate? Well, she just won't get her cardio in. I'm tired of it. Really? What could be more valuable than your health and fitness? When I see families fall apart, when I, when I see folks make decisions where they're throwing away everything they worked for in their marriage and family life, their beloved family, their holidays together, they're throwing away every, every bit, of, bit that they've saved for personally, their savings, their house, they're losing everything. How come? Why? Oh, high sugar diet. It'll kill every family. No. I'm not saying it's not. I'll tell you what, but there's something way more valuable. I'll tell you what's killing families. It's the same thing that'll kill you. And take everything you've ever worked for away from you. And it's this, if your talent 
cannot be sustained by your character, you'll lose everything. If you have a talent that is moving you ahead in your org chart, it's moving you ahead in your performance, if you're leading the way, if you're experiencing a lot of success, and your character is not sustaining it, you could lose everything. And it will have nothing to do with your health. What could be more valuable than health and fitness? If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. I'll tell you what could be more valuable than your health and fitness. What most Americans are talking about. You know what's trending right now as far as goals? 2017 goals in America? Here they are. Number one, I want to be a better person. That's nice to hear. Yeah! I want to be a better person. I want to lose weight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't we all? I want to exercise more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't we all? I want to spend less and save more. How many of you are like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah. I heard that sermon. Did you hear that one? Lastly, I want to eat healthy, right? So let's, let's peek at this. How do people typically try to be better people? What do we do? Here's one. We work on our achievements. We, we work harder. That's what Americans do. If you're not where you're at, you work harder, you measure more, you get a coach, you set a goal, you stay more accountable, you raise your pressure, your blood pressure, and you work more hours, right? Yeah. yeah. I want to achieve more. That's how I'll be a better person, right? And then I'll be real happy at the end of this fiscal year. Or the other, the other thing we do is we say, hey, you know what? I'm going to work on my relationships. I'm going to expand them. And this, is, this will increase your well-being. Better relationship at work, better relationships in the community, better at relationships at large. I think it's, that's vital to becoming a better person. We're going to talk about that next year. Next year. We'll talk about it. That's good planning. But no, we're going to talk about that next week. But I'll tell you the area that, that we need to work on the most. It's not our fitness as it relates to being a better person. It's who we are when no one's looking. It's what we say when no one's hearing. It's the words of deceit that come out of our mouth. What could be more important than your health? If you don't have your health, you don't have nothing. That's right. It's a lie, man. It's a lie. I say this, if you don't have character and godliness, you don't have anything. If you're not trustworthy, you don't have anything. Because you could have a low body mass index and be a total liar. You could be lean and mean and have cardio and outdo anyone at CrossFit and be totally undependable. What do we need in our country? What do we need in our community more than anything? (laughs) Character godliness. Here's why. We all could have more talent than our character could really sustain. And get into a place with with success, with money, with prosperity, where we think we can get away with anything. And we can sing anyone's example. I don't think we need to talk about that. I don't like doing that. But you know they're out there, right? We don't need any pictures or we're good, right? Families are not failing because of their 
their lack of vegetables and fruits. Families are failing because of a lack of godliness. Where do we get godliness? <laughs> Where do we get it? How do we go to the next level in our homes and experience the kind of life that God wants us all to experience? Paul said it this way. Paul, one of Jesus' most prolific writers, probably second to, to Moses or maybe John. Paul said, he wrote, he said, bodily training, bodily fitness, physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Godliness, it has real value. I want to show you today how to get it. It doesn't take a whole lot of time, but it takes a system, just like working out. It takes regularity. I want to show you how to experience it. And I want to talk to you a little bit how to start hearing from God. A couple, couple pieces that I think will really help you. If you came with your Bible, open it up, Mark chapter 1. If you didn't bring your Bible and you're on Pinterest right now, just get off of that and go to Mark chapter 1 on Google or Safari. And I'm just going to read to you from the master of discipline, the master of godliness, God's Son, Jesus Christ, and let you see his training regimen. Here it is. Mark chapter 1. Verse 35 and following, very early in the morning. (laughs) What time was it? It was very early in the morning. How many of you are already turned off by this discipline? (laughs) While it was still dark. (laughs) Oh, he's making it really clear here, isn't it? It's still what? It's still dark. Jesus got up. Do you like that? What did Jesus do very early in the morning when it was still dark? He what? He got up. (laughs) What are we doing very early when it's still dark? We stay down. We stay down. Got to be safe, right? Jesus got up. He left the house and he went off to a solitary place. He left the house and he went off to a, where did he go? To a solitary place. How many of you are like, Show me to that solitary place. I'm ready right now. Yeah. You moms, you deserve it. (laughs) He went to a solitary place where he prayed. He prayed. He prayed. When you hear that word pray, instead of hearing me say pray and and in, in your own mind thinking he talked to his father, I want you to imagine he had a conversation. He had a conversation with his father. They talked about what was going on. And it was necessary because there's a lot else happening here. He gets away. This is at the very beginning of his ministry. The night before, crowds of the disabled and the sick were flooding to Peter's house in Capernaum where they were just getting close to Jesus and experiencing radical healing. And so Jesus gets away before his public ministry really takes off to pray, to get away. What's the first thing you do when you get up? Let's just be honest here. How many of you just hit the snooze button? First thing, ding. Okay, we're being honest, not bad. 
How many of you, first thing you do, check your email? Just be honest. Okay, there's a few. Good. How many of you, first thing you do is ask the question, has anybody started the coffee? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. How many of you, first thing you do is just uh, make certain those kids are moving, right? A few of you, okay. First thing Jesus does is he gets away to pray. <clears throat> Let's continue reading. Simon, Jesus, one of Jesus' first co-workers and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. What did they have to tell Jesus? Everyone is looking for you. Who's looking for you? Everyone. Does this sound like the kind of experience you moms have? Everyone needs you. How about you teachers? Everyone needs you. Everyone has something else they want you to do, right? Or something they want your help with. And, I mean, can you imagine if some of you that are in the medical field, if Jesus were on your campus at Sutter Roseville, at Kaiser Roseville, at Mercy General, at Kaiser Morse, if you had an evening with Jesus and his presence alone, if people touched the hem of his garment, experienced uh, hearing where they were not hearing, speaking where they were not speaking, seeing where they were once not seeing, complete healing of all viruses, complete extensions of limbs, complete ability where there was disability. Can you imagine the frenzy to get to Jesus? Wouldn't you just want to touch him? I would, just in case there's something I don't know about my body. I want to just touch you. I had a chance one time to be with a gal who was cleared, who was miraculously healed of severe paralyzing MS. And uh, the church was praying for her, and she completely got healed in her home by herself. No one was even praying for her. And when her husband came home, he'd never seen her walk for 20 years. He came in the door, and she was standing and jumping up and down on the dining room table. And she, I'm not kidding, and she came to our staff to talk about the story, and she was sitting next to me, and we just said, hey, we appreciate you being here, and I reached out and just, like, touched her, like, I wanted some of that. I mean, that's how people felt around Jesus. But he hadn't healed everybody. He had something that for him personally was was more pressing. Jesus, Jesus knew what he was called to do, and it wasn't primarily the medical healing ministry. It was partially, but that was not his primary ministry. He knew who he was. And so he knew what he needed to say no to so he would know what to say yes to. Do you know what, do you know who you are? Do you know what you need to say no to so you can, so your yes can be a yes all in? You know, there's an old saying, the quantity of your no's is equal to the quality of your yes. Jesus was able to say, no, (laughs) I've got to go, I've got to preach. I've got to preach. God had one son and he made his one and only son a preacher. And that's what Jesus was called to do, and he did it. Do you know what you're called to do? Do you take time to hear what he's calling you to do, what, that which is the, the primary task that you've been called to? See, when you take time like this, what happens is that you walk 
into your day with someone in you, like Jesus was doing. You walk in your day with someone in you so that when something or something else comes at you, you're not scrambling to say, hey, uh, I, I, I can't meet all their needs. You're not all paralyzed by all the demands on you. Instead of scrambling, you're shouting at what's ahead of you because there's something inside of you. How do you get that? And look at this. Uh, Let us go somewhere else to a nearby village so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. And so he traveled throughout Galilee. Imagine it kind of like a local lake. Preaching in their synagogues. So he's preaching at all the the synagogues around Galilee. You can even visit one today in Capernaum. It's still extant. They believe it's the very one Jesus preached in. And then the last thing he did is, uh, and driving out demons. What was he doing in the synagogues? He was driving out demons. No, say that like you really believe it. He was driving out demons. Yeah, for real. I remember the phone call I got from a parent when I first started this church who said, my uh, son, when I was driving him in the car the other day, uh, I swear a different voice came out of him. And he's been doing this way too young for this, man. I just started. This is way over my head. Uh, Do you mind if I refer you? No. No, that's okay. So I referred, referred the family. This is, we don't talk about this on a Sunday morning a lot. It has happened. We've had families struggle with demonic spirits. They explain them to me, what's happened. Uh, I had one family member just a couple years ago said, I've got video. Would you like to see video? I'm like, no, please no video. (laughs) And maybe we don't see uh, people uh, fully possessed like we see here. Uh, our missionary, Kathy McCarty, tells us when she visited with Major Marecki, uh, they're hospital missionaries to Chittimoyo, Zimbabwe, central India, excuse me, central Zimbabwe. And she says that when we baptize new believers, we often, the, the, the natives, they don't like baptizing uh, because when we walk them out into the water, if they're demons, what happens is the waters literally ripple all around them. And it takes about eight people to put them down under the water. And uh, so whenever they walk out and they see ripples around the water, the, the evangelists are like, eh, this is going to be a tough one. Bring in your best to get this person underwater. <laughs> Demons are kind of scary. <laughs> but you know what? Equally, some of the personalities we face in life are kind of scary, aren't they? Don't we sometimes face people in the community at large or even... <laughs> Do you have anybody at work (laughs) that's a really tough personality Uh, that maybe you're tempted to say, hey, be gone, (laughs) leave, (laughs) right? (laughs) Where you're like, wow, there's something in that person I don't get. (laughs) Can you imagine Jesus? He's He's facing a lot. He's facing having to say no to hundreds, if not thousands, of people who just want healing from their chronic illness. And then he's preaching. And so he's, he's, he needs the right words. And 
gosh, really, no one probably ever spoke as well as he did. People just hung on every word. It was ridiculous. It says that people were just like amazing. He had the right words. And for those of you that speak, you know how important the right words are. God's word teaches us that don't worry about having the right words. Your Father in heaven will give you the right words when you need them. I think it's really critical, especially when we're sharing our Jesus story, when we're talking about our faith, to trust God with the right words. But then finally, Jesus has to face evil, evil, evil. How could he do this? I want to read it from my notes. Here it is. When you walk into your day with something in you, when something comes your way, you're not scrambling for something. You're shouting something. Be gone. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is here. That was his, his uh, message. You're able to say no because you've got a strong yes that, because you know who you are. How do you get this? How do you get this kind of, this kind of someone inside of you? It's training in godliness. It's training in godliness. This is how you get it. You do what Jesus did, and here's the challenge today for this year. This is your spiritual fitness goal. Yes, I'm pro low carbs, low saturated fat, you know, high cardio. I think that's all good, but it's not the most important thing in your life. The most important thing in your life is training in godliness. And the way you get it is you try giving Jesus the first 15 minutes of every day. That's how you get it. Try giving Jesus the first 15 minutes of every day. Give him the first 15. And begin your day, the first five, with praise. Turn some great praise music on your home. Here's some we want to play for you. A pretty popular song right now. You start your day with worship. Can we have a little louder? Pretend it's like 5.30 in the morning. You play that really loud, you just let it go. And then in your home, you're on your second cup of coffee. You're like, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. You're like, I didn't want to work out today, but maybe I will. But you're, you're letting the spirit fill you. Great energy. And I love, I love this idea of beginning your day with worship. That's, that's, a, that's reflective of the kind of prayer that you want to have. You begin with adulation or adoration. You begin with praise. The focus is on him, not what he's done for me, not me, but on him. Five minutes of praise, music. The second is five minutes of feeding on the bread of life. Uh, Shane Marks did a great job last week, and if you missed it, I would encourage you to listen to the podcast. Uh, He talked about making a commitment to being in God's word regularly. And I got to tell you, we're having some success in my home, as several of my family members are using this Bible app. It is great. It's called YouVersion, and it just helps us go through the Bible together as a family and talk about it, and we don't like hand slap each other for failing, you know, did you read your Bible? No, loser, we don't do that, you know, it's all encouragement, (laughs) but this app has been so simple, and you can really, you can get ahead or fall behind, and if you miss a day or a week or a month, it's not like, you know, sir, pull over, you're going to jail, it's Hey, just get back on the train and 
feed on the word. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Take time to be in the word. That's where we really hear from him. And then finally, my favorite thing and my favorite book besides the Bible is my journal. I've been doing this thing. It's worked for me for over 15 years, maybe 20. I forget. But I just like to write down my prayers. And it it works for me. Uh, And I encourage you to have five minutes of giving thanks. Five minutes of just giving thanks to God every day. Fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes, that's how you start. There's a lot of different templates that you can use. There's the Acts template. If you want a different template, write these words down or uh, email me. Uh, Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, uh, supplication. And then I like to finish by saying, Lord, what would you have me do today? Just say the word. And I wait for the Spirit to speak to me. I want to talk to you just a moment about hearing from God. I believe God still speaks in the miraculous. I believe that he still speaks an audible voice. I've never heard one, but I'm open to it. Uh, I I believe God still speaks through angels, his messengers. Um, I'm sure they've had to work overtime in my home over the years. But I, I believe that God, and in me, by helping me discover the mind of Jesus Christ. The mind of Jesus Christ. When I'm by myself and I'm worshiping, when I'm by myself and I'm listening to the word, when I'm by myself and I'm praying, I expect that same presence that was in the Holy of Holies, that same presence, that Shekinah glory, that same presence that was embodied Jesus Christ to actually speak to my mind and my heart and my soul. It's the mind of Christ. Paul said this, he said, who has known the mind of of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And I believe that the mind of Christ is constantly trying to move me and direct me and lead me in a very gentle, in a very loving, gracious way. And what here's how I know I've heard from the mind of Christ. The steps he's take asking me to go sometimes feel a little awkward. Like, there's some self-denial here. Like, all right, God, you're asking me to become someone that I'm really not. (laughs) There's some self-denial involved. But every time, by faith, I go forward, I experience three things. I experience peace, I experience joy, and I experience his character in me. And the reason I nail those three is because the scriptures teach us that the kingdom of God is peace, joy, That's the happy face. And his righteousness, his character in me. And I want to be honest. Sometimes as you're growing in in Christ, I hesitate to say this because I don't want to totally turn you off. But the word teaches that that knowledge can sometimes start off as bitter. It reminds me of those waters in the wilderness that Moses was leading through. Remember the bitter waters of Merah? They thought they found the perfect place to hydrate 600,000 Hebrews that just evacuated Egypt. And they tasted the waters. And at first, they were bitter, like, oh, that doesn't taste very good. You know, frequently, when we hear from the mind of Christ on the direction we should go and what we should do, sometimes it's like bitter. Oh, really? Really? (laughs) But as you trust the Spirit and you follow Him, God will turn those bitter waters into sweet waters. And you will love hearing from the mind of Christ because of the peace, 
and the joy and the righteousness in you that you experience. How do you train in godliness? Try, try giving Jesus your first 15 and not missing the chair behind you. <laughs> that would have been fun. <laughs> you try giving Jesus your first 15 and you start pursuing conversation and you look for the mind of Christ to speak to you and that mind will lead you in peace, joy, and righteousness. And you know you're hearing from Christ when it takes someone or something else besides yourself to do what you're being asked to do. <laughs> it's like, really? You're leading me that direction? Oh, that is really scary. <laughs> That's the adventure of being a Christ follower. So what's the, what could be more valuable, really, than fitness this year? <laughs> really, because if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. I tell you, if you don't have godliness, you don't have anything. Because you can be a perfect physical specimen and a moral failure. You can be a church attender and a total moral failure. Because you're not training yourself here. And the way you train yourself here is you give Jesus your first 15, and you just start with regularity and with a system. You know, Jesus had something come at him. (laughs) Jesus himself experienced a moment when something came at him that he wasn't ready for. His Father in heaven asked him to suffer what the Romans called a barbaric death on that execution apparatus. Something or someone comes at us sometimes and we're not ready for it. It came at Jesus. And he said, Father, if it's possible for me not to do this, for me to opt out, that's what I'm interested in doing. And his father didn't respond like he wanted, so he said it again. Hey, Father, if it's possible for me not to do that, I'd like to be the not to do. And then he said this, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. See, even Jesus, as in his humanity, experienced what can be the bitterness of doing what the Father wants us to do. But he heard. And the scripture says, for the joy set before him. The joy of having a relationship with you in this life and in the life to come. Godliness has value in this life, but also in the life to come because the life to come is in a city where only righteousness dwells. Jesus was willing to do what was being asked of him because of the joy that it would bring you and him together and the peace he would have with you in relationship with him and the righteousness that you would have that would be allocated to you, imputed, expunged on you because of his suffering on the cross. Have you ever made a decision to trust in what Jesus got done on the cross was done for you? If not, why not today? What would hold you back from today? Making that step. Lots of goals this year. Yeah, I think we should eat less sugar and exercise more. But I think we need godliness in our lives because you may be like me. Where sometimes I imagine, if I'm not careful, I could have too much talent that my character would not sustain it. And I don't ever want to be in that position. Do you? I can tell you friends that are in that position. 
They're extremely talented, extremely prosperous. They're losing everything. It's not worth it. Let's let's, uh, have a moment of silence. Heavenly Father, I think many of us could admit that we think about how we look. We think about our physical health a lot. Uh, We look at the physical health of others a lot. I think we would probably admit we're a country that idolizes how people look not the character that puts them together. And we easily believe the lie. Hey, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Today, we just want to be honest and say, hey, we need to work on our character. We need to guard our hearts, our homes, our marriages, and our family life, our jobs with character. And we just ask you to show us how to do that. Help us experience this mind of Christ. Help us enjoy the peace, the joy, and the righteousness that comes from the mind of Christ. If you're here today and... uh, you would be willing to confess, hey, I think way more about my physical health than character. I need to work on character. I want you to just raise your hand. I want to know who I'm talking to today. Anyone say, hey, today I've been challenged to work on my character. Okay. Anybody? Praise the Lord, ma'am. Praise the Lord, sir. Okay, sir. How many of you are here today and, and saying... I've got to just set aside a few minutes every day and take this challenge to try giving Jesus the first 15. How many of you would say, yeah, today I need to do that? Great, great, several of you. I wonder if there's one person here today you've never made a decision to trust in Jesus. Why not begin 2017 by trusting in what he did on the cross and got done for you? And uh, right from where you're seated, I just challenge you to say, God, I accept what Jesus was willing to do on the cross to create peace between me and you. Just pray that prayer. I accept what Jesus did on the cross to create peace between me and you, and I'm willing to trust him with my life. I'm willing to trust him with my life. If that's your prayer, I, I want I you to I want to acknowledge it. Would you just raise your hand? If that's you today, you're saying, yeah, I want to trust Jesus who got what needed to be done on the cross for my sin. Anybody for the first time today want to pray that prayer? Anyone? Lord, help us pursue godliness that has value in this life and in the life to come. And help us enjoy the peace and joy and righteousness that come from the mind of Christ as we converse in our time with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.